As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. On this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, Tar Heel Illustrated's Andrew Jones stops by to talk about what's going on early on in camp for the Tar Heels. Hey, Mr. Andrew Jones, how's it going, sir? Hey, is this Anthony? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anthony, how you doing, my friend? Good, good. Yeah, I'm just uh, so glad we're able to get you on. I know, you know, you're a busy man, so, uh, you know, this is an honor to have you on. You're one of the guys that knows, I, I mean, you might be the guy that knows the most about this Tario football team and uh man that's i want to be you one day that's my goal man so uh yeah man so uh yeah so you know uh just i guess starting out you know yesterday um there you know meet the heels of course second day of practice though so these guys have jumped in you know i saw your first day report saw some of the jep charts and there's a couple of things that i really wanted to point out one thing that i wanted to start with of course the quarterback battle you know, Nathan Elliott, Chasserat continue to battle back and forth. Nathan Elliott, as you said, got the first team reps. Is there anything that we should be buying into right now from that first day of practice? Or, you know, is it right now still kind of take it with a grain of salt? Well, the, the orders that they do things or uh, that the players do drills, whether it's the defensive line, the secondary, or quarterback, um, it's nothing random about it. So there, there is, it's by design every day. Now it often fluctuates, mm-hmm. uh, generally in quarterback battles that I've seen the way Larry's handled in the past and most coaches mm-hmm. is one day, one guy gets the majority of the reps with the ones and the other guys with the twos, the next day they flip. So they very well could have flipped yesterday and, or even later in that practice. It just, we're only allowed 30 minutes and we're fortunate that in in their practice scheme that about eight minutes into the actual start of practice when they're into the periods or it gets to the third period they do four or five minute periods Mm -hmm. they they break off into 11 and 11 and as long as they're not doing full contact they go ones versus ones twos versus twos when they start doing more contact later in camp they'll go ones versus twos one offense versus two defense two offense versus one defense mm-hmm. so it's kind of easy I, I sit there and jot down who's with what group and that's the, that's determines that day's depth chart so even when when we knew marquise was going to beat out mitch for example a few years ago mm-hmm. mitch would still get some reps with the ones because you got to get ready you have to work with the, those linemen uh, they don't use cadence a lot but when they do you have to get used to the linemen have to be used to how one quarterback causes cadence versus another quarterback right. and they have to get timing down with receivers and everything so it, it that's as much a part of it as anything else now you might be able to read a little something into Friday just because of the news that's probably coming out Monday about the uh, shoe suspensions, the shoe gate, everyone's calling it. Gotcha. So I don't want to lead too much more into that, but that could have been part of what was going on too, because Manny Miles, who's a senior walk-on, right. uh, also got also got registered too. He was splitting in with Chaz, and that was unusual. Yeah, that that I did notice that, and that's kind of weird. But you said so. Monday is is kind of what we're hearing when that when the names are going to be released. What I've been told t- today 
Yeah, probably sometime tomorrow. Now, Larry has a press conference at 3.30. It would normally be called Media Day. Uh-huh. But uh, as I've written about a lot the last couple of days, they've really scaled back with the media a lot this month. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we had Friday was I mean, this is my 23rd year doing this. A good friend of mine, Brett Freeland, has been doing it for 34 years. Mm-hmm. Sean Crest for like 25 years. And combined... None of us have ever seen a situation where a college head coach did not speak to the media after the first practice because it's the softball opportunity, basically. You get a softball story where everyone's going to write, hey, the the team started practice today. They're all fired up. The guys are in great spirits. You know, for Carolina, basically no injuries after what they went through a year ago. It's an easy story to write. It's an easy flow story for fans to embrace but they didn't even give us that opportunity or themselves that opportunity to have that because Larry was not available. Nobody was available Friday after the first practice. I've never seen that before. So his first time with us is going to be at a press conference Monday at 3.30, which normally would be media day, but they're not calling it media day because I think that I believe they've eliminated our photo opportunities too, uh, which is photo days associated with media day. So they've cut back a lot. So we're expecting that they're going to announce the suspensions for the uh, shoe stuff Monday before the presser. I know you can't release any names, of course, and again, that's also because you, you can't be 100% sure, but numbers-wise, what is like the ballpark number that we're kind of looking at for these guys, you know, number of players and then games that they will be suspended? Well, what I've been consistently told by multiple sources is it's between 10 and 12, and the reason... Uh, 10 or 12 players. The reason that there's no exact numbers because of whatever monetary value the NCAA placed on each kid's quote-unquote transgression, if you will, if that is a transgression, I guess the NCAA sees it it as so. Uh, You know, some kids might have been involved, but the monetary value placed on whatever happened might fall under the suspension uh, line. So if it's X number of dollars, you get one game. Right. If it's more than that, mm-hmm. you get two, three, and four. What I'm hearing is the guys that are suspended will be between one and four games. I mean, it's mostly guys in the defense. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I don't really know how to react to that, but I guess we're going to have to find out the names. Um, hopefully, it's it's not it's not too big of a blow. But okay, it's so a blow. I, I can tell you this much: I'm I, I've, I'm not going to. Out of, out of respect for the people who I get information from, I'm not right, gonna, right, and, I, and 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 you got to work with the program at times. And there's nothing for me to gain by blarting out names right mm-hmm. now. I haven't done it on our site, and mm-hmm. um, I haven't even done it in confidence with people that I'm very close to. So um, I'm not going to get it out there. It'll it'll be out soon enough, and UNC will have a statement. Larry may make a live statement, open his press conference tomorrow. He's also got the CTE stuff to deal with, too, by the way. Right. He has not been public, uh, made a public appearance since those comments in Charlotte. So he's got those two things to wrestle with tomorrow, and I'm sure that um, it'll take a significant portion of the press conference, and at some point, hopefully we'll be able to get down to football. I certainly look forward to that because that's my favorite part of doing this job. It's not CTE and shoegate stuff. We've had enough of that around Chapel over the last eight years. So, um, but I'm not going to, I'll just say it's mostly defense and there's some really important players that are going to be, that are going to miss a couple of games. Well, I appreciate you sharing that information, but yeah, let's try to focus a little more on the football stuff. 
Uh, you know, it, once these guys get cleared, you know, there are some good position battles that we're going to see. At the running back position, Antonio Williams gets cleared. You know, I've asked around. Some people are kind of confused as to what he's going to bring to the table and how impactful he might be able to be. You know, how, how impactful do you feel that he's going to be in this backfield this year? Larry Fedora's best offenses have had three running backs that he likes to use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, if you go back to Romar Morris, the way he was used as the third back, he played in the NFL. He's in the CFL right now, so he's mm-hmm. still earning a paycheck. So Larry likes to have three backs that are explosive and can do a lot of things. That take was Michael Carter, Jordan Brown, and Antonio Williams. You have everything that you need out of your backfield in those three guys as far as what their skills are. And in Williams, you have an older guy who, you know, he was a four-star kid coming out of North Stanley High School in mm-hmm. New London, yep. uh, New London, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The Brown was a four-star guy. Car- Carter was the Gatorade Player of the Year in Florida his senior year. So this is a really, really talented group. Maybe his most talented group. Now they just got to produce. Last year was such was such a bizarre series of circumstances that I don't think we really – learned a lot about these guys other than the fact that Jordan Brown could be an excellent receiver out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Michael Carter is incredibly explosive. And now Williams is going to get an opportunity to show what he can do. And if one of the other running backs is suspended for a couple of games, having Williams available is going to be huge because they have another experience back that can take to Berkeley and to Greenville. Whereas had he not been given the eligibility by the NCAA. You'd mm-hmm. be looking at maybe Antoine Branch or yep. even true freshman Javante Williams. So one of the, there, there are two other battles that I really look at, and everybody wants to focus on the quarterback battles, but I think these are two battles that are going to go deep into the fall and, and could possibly extend into the season. I'll start with the one on the offensive side of the ball, which is the right guard position, where it seems like Billy Ross and Tyler Pritchett were the guys that were there in the spring. Now you bring in William Barnes. What is your read on how that is going to end up turning out, and who do you think ends up eventually starting there on the first in Berkeley? That's a good question because I agree with you. I think in many respects, and I can say this, because that group's not going to get hit by the suspension. Gotcha. The attack position group is going to be on the offensive line, which is a really good sign for Carolina mm-hmm. because they can run the ball. Regardless of whoever's a quarterback, they should be able to run the ball. They've got good running backs. Mm-hmm. They've got a very talented offensive line that I think is, is deep with potential. And mm-hmm. it goes down to a guy like William Barnes, the true freshman. He was running with the third group Friday. Uh-huh. And I thought that was a really good sign because a lot of people thought, hey, he's going to come in and start. They're not putting any of that kind of pressure on him at all right now. They're just saying, come on in. Because remember, he wasn't an early enrollee. He just arrived this summer. Right. Come, come mm-hmm. on in. Learn what we're doing, show what you can do, and if you climb the ladder, so to speak, then you'll be on the field. So I think really with those three, maybe Barnes is the guy long-term, but maybe in the short term, it's a battle between Ross and Pritchett. And I like Ross a little bit more than Pritchett just because he's more built like Landon Turner. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Ben Pritchie was, and they love that man. big mauler. That's why they love Barnes at right guard. They want a mauler at that position. And I just see Ross as a little bit more of a mauler than Pritchett. And I think Pritchett's a guy that could sort of play some other spots in the line too. And because of his versatility, they kind of like to have a guy as a backup, sort of like a relief pitcher. You know, you want a guy that can get you one out if you need it, or can go two or three innings if it's a six-run game and needed. Pritchett, I think, fits more into that mold than Ross. Ross is a right guard. That's what he's going to play, mm-hmm. and, and I think that he'll end up starting when they go to Berkeley. So the other one that I, I think a lot of people are, are kind of just, I think they've kind of cast it off because I think they think that Patrice Rene is going to be the guy at that second cornerback position. But I saw your uh, your post, or excuse me, pre-fall uh, depth chart, and you had C.J. Cotman over him. C.J. Cotman's a guy that I thought last year, you know, in his special teams reps showed something. I, I've watched his tape, and I love I, I love everything that I see about the kid. And, you know, to see that you had him over Renee kind of surprised me a little bit. But at the same time, the talent is there. You know, right now is, you know, could C.J. Cotman end up being the guy when they go, you know, on, on the first over Patrice Renee and kind of shock some of these Tar Heel fans that think Patrice Renee is really a shoo-in at that spot? Well, going back to last year, you pointed out the special teams thing, and that's a really good observation because I question why he was even on the field because I figured, you know, if they're not going to put him out there at corner, why are they using reps? They did the same thing with Malik Robinson, a linebacker. Mm -hmm. And as I found out in the spring, it was to get them on the field to get them to hit people mm-hmm. and to play in front of a crowd because they figure that these guys are only going to be around four years anyway. So by the time they get to the following year when, they, when they're in position to challenge for a starting job, they're not wet behind the ears. They've been out on the field. They've been on the road. They've right. been in different environments. So they, they, the staff doesn't have to worry about that element. So I think that's why Cotman played. And, and let's be honest with you. We, we've seen Patrice Renee. And Patrice Renee is a really talented kid who was – Rick, you know, I think he was going to play running back at Rutgers. He was a four-star kid coming out of high school. He struggled early. He got a lot of playing time early. You remember those two pass interferences against Georgia? Right. That may, that may have affected his confidence, and his playing time kind of went down toward the end of his freshman year, and it was sporadic a year ago. So I think he's a guy that's been there two years and hasn't yet proven he can be consistent, and they need consistency out of that spot because that's the MJ Stewart spot. You're going to get what you get from sales. Sometimes sales is going to take some chances and get beat. I think this year you're going to see him maybe get a few picks because those chances will pay off a little bit more often. But you need stability on the other corner. And Cotman is a guy that's probably better in man coverage, and it just depends on how he works with the other guys, especially when they start throwing nickels and dimes at you. And I think that's where Renee gets on the field, really both of them do. They're going to play in a lot of those packages because they're going to they're going to run a lot of five, six DB sets. Uh, one reason because the linebacker situation is not that good, and and plus I think Larry just loves having speed on the field. Do you go back to when he first arrived? Mm-hmm. He had speed on the field a lot more. Now that Gene Chizik has kind of moved on and he's further away, they're going back to a little bit of that and away from as much beef as they had, especially in the back, the back five, six, however you want to look at the secondary. Yeah, I did notice that, that they were saying there should be a lot more dime packages, and that'll be interesting. I, I'm intrigued to see how some of these inside slot guys are able to stop the run when teams throw that at them. But, you know, uh, one of the things that you mentioned, um, you mentioned Malik Robinson. I noticed yesterday when I was at 
uh, meet the heels. And I noticed also on your depth chart from the first day of practice, he was nowhere to be found. He had a fantastic spring. Um, I, I, if it's suspension related, then I under I, you know I, I do understand why you wouldn't be able to comment. But do you know maybe why he's not there right now? I, I, I can't say he's not there. I, I don't know. And right now, getting information is really difficult because gotcha. there's a lot of clamming up that's gone on around the program. Um, they've kind of, you know, they've kind of put a little bubble around things, and it's right. a little more difficult to to mine information than it was in the past. But we're also at the beginning of camp, and and we'll get a chance to get more intel as we get into things. But uh, you know. They like to look at guys. Javon Terry was was going in for Miles Dorn with the first team. Now, Javon Terry is not going to be a first-team guy. But they want to look Mm -hmm. at some of these kids playing with the older ones just to get different combos to kind of see how they handle themselves out there. It's like in basketball. If you remember Justin Jackson's a freshman, he deferred all the time to the older guys Mm -hmm. and, and didn't sort of just kind of launch into the player that he, he had inside. He, he deferred a lot, and that's just kind of a respect thing. A lot of freshmen are like that. I think when they put freshmen out there with the older guys in football, especially on the defensive end, where everybody has to be communicating at all times, you have to work in, in total synchronicity as far as communication goes. And if you're a freshman and you see something, you have to bark at. You have to be confident to bark it to a senior. So you want a freshman barking to call Holcomb if they see something. So you start that process in practice, and you get them comfortable being out there. So I, I didn't really write anything about why Robinson wasn't with the ones or the twos yet, because I don't know. But I wouldn't read too much into it unless we find out something else. But he had a great spring. Everybody raved about him in the spring. Mm-hmm. And until I hear otherwise, I expect him to be in the mix at some point at linebacker. But they do have some other interesting options, too. Jamel, um, Flint, and I think if Dominique Ross can ever, you know, play the way he looks, then you've got a, an intriguing talent there. Right, yeah. I, I you know, I, it was just kind of weird not seeing him there. Everybody else was there. I was just making sure. It could be, you know, we don't know what's going on personnel, you know, personal family issue-wise, so you never he really could, know. He could have been banged up. I mean, Jadalen Dalton wasn't out there, but I got word that he was hurt. That's why he wasn't. Right. And it's not a serious thing, but they might just – I wrote a little note yesterday about <clears throat> orange and red shirts, jerseys. Mm-hmm. Orange jerseys in practice are guys that can go through drills but can't have contact. The red shirts are guys that are very limited with drills. So they're injured. And, you know, last year there were times where it looked like you were covering an NC State practice there was so much red out there. <laughs> or, yeah. or a Clemson practice because all the orange – I, they may have just not wanted us to see any orange or red because I didn't see any orange or red. So instead of you know, during the 30-minute period that we were there, maybe those guys just aren't out there. And they don't they don't want to see it because I, I, they have definitely pulled back and they are not giving us nearly as much information. And the access that we do have is probably mandated by the league to some degree. So um, they've kind of coiled up and and – just keeping stuff from us so guys like you and me go sit around and talk about this kid being banged up and that kid being banged up or whatever else is going on right well the last thing I'm going to ask you and we got we got to talk about some you know injuries because after last year 
we know it's a big story. You know, you mentioned Jalen Dalton. I saw him yesterday. I talked to him a little bit. He says he's all right, um, but, you know, we don't really know the timetable around him. Brandon Fritz uh, says the same thing. He's hoping to get back later in the year. And then, you know, I had asked you, I know through the message boards about Miles Dorn, who was out there, you know, as of right now, you know, kind of focusing mostly on those three guys, you know, what are the injury statuses around those guys as of the moment that you know? Well, Fritz... Fritz isn't going to play for a while. He's hoping to get back for the mm-hmm. last three games or so. His goal is the, the last three games so he can get enough on film to show the NFL that he's fine. It worked right. out really well for Austin Prohl getting back in time to get a couple of games on film last year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he got drafted. If Austin didn't come back, he probably wouldn't have gotten drafted. Right. So for Fritz, he just need, the, the league knows what he can do. Mm-hmm. He just needs to show him himself. So for him personally – that's important for the team. You can use if, if they're playing for something meaningful in November. Having a guy like Fritz come back, that's huge because he's a fringe NFL player. Right. And if you can add a fringe NFL player to what you're doing on the field, that's going to make you better. And they can run a lot of two tight end sets. And if they're going to run the ball a lot this year, which is what a lot of people believe is going to be the case, mm-hmm. boy, having another guy out there that can block, another tight end out there that can block like Fritz, that's going to be big. I mean, they're already loaded at tight end anyway. But you add a guy like that, that's huge. Dorn, Dorn's going to be fine. Uh, he looked good in practice. They're just kind of taking some precaution. Um, I was told by somebody uh, close to the program, they said he's such a valued commodity that they don't want to risk any injury. So they're going to take it easy with him. He, he's going to be ready to play on September 1st, no matter how many reps he gets or doesn't get, get over the next four weeks. And as far as Dalton goes, I'm told it's not a serious thing. Just they don't. He knows what he knows what to do. It's his fourth year in the system. Mm-hmm. He, he just needs to be healthy. So you get other guys some reps. If it means more reps for Zach Gill in practice, then that's good. That, that helps them in the long run. There's no need to rush any of those guys along. They're doing things a little different right now than they did before, as a result of the study they did into the rash of injuries. And one thing I noticed already is that they were wearing athletic shorts Friday. Mm-hmm. And I went back and looked at our photos from each of the last first practices going back to when I took this job mm-hmm. in 2014. And they always wore football pants. But they were wearing athletic shorts Friday. Some people may say it's not a big deal. If you played football and you know how cumbersome football pants can be, especially in the heat, you know, having those shorts on, that keep you fresh a little bit longer. It might help you – in late in practice from maybe being tired to where you sustain an injury. And we've been told that a lot of the injuries that were sustained a year ago were done, uh, took place when guys were actually tired. And when you're tired, you're not as quick and that's how you get hurt. So uh, it, it's a minor thing, but it's something. And maybe we're also seeing something with how they're handling Dorn and how they're handling Dalton. There's just no point in rushing things. They know those veterans can play. They know what they're supposed to do on the field. Just get them healthy and go with it from there. Yeah, interesting observation. And, yeah, after last year, you're right. They, they can't rush anything because we do not want anything like that. Uh, as a Tar Heel fan, I think we, we all know that was unbelievable. We can't see anything like that again. Well, Andrew. Let me um, tell you very quickly, as a journalist, right. there's nothing like being in the press box an hour before the game and, and when they're on the road 
and and you don't get a travel roster. You just kind of look down to see who's down there, and you see Dante DiMaggio in Blacksburg. You're like, really? <laughs> Dante DiMaggio traveled? And you got to go talk to the media relations people and find out why, or who, who's punting this week, or whatever the case be. Who's who's snapping? Who's the long snapper this week? That was a, a lot of fun, mixing and matching, and seeing them travel true freshman offensive linemen that they you knew weren't going to play unless there was an injury. So now it's seven offensive linemen available, and you got to write about that, and people are complaining, how come they're not playing this guy or that guy? I don't want to have to deal with that stuff at all because that was, that was a challenge in and of itself. All right, Andrew. Well, uh, yeah, man, I, I've kept you long enough. I know you got to go off and, and get some stuff done, and uh, I can only imagine tomorrow might be a pretty crazy day for you. So, uh, yeah. if, if that story part, ends part up, job, yeah, if that story ends up breaking, um, I would definitely want to have you on next week, and we'll kind of discuss it, maybe just a little bit about what the impacts are of of the guys that would be suspended. If that's cool with you, not a problem. All right, man. You hey. Thank, thank you so much uh, for coming on. This has been amazing, and I know that the guy that that all the listeners they are going to love this. So uh, you have a great day, and thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right, thank man. You. All right. So Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated, guys. I mean, he covers the team for Rivals.com, and he does such a great job. He is unbelievable. Jared Hardy, who I know a lot of you guys follow, he's the guy that covers recruiting for them. John Gwaltney, they have a great group over there. Read their stuff. They do their own podcast. You know, I, I, I know that's probably not the best thing to do to promote it, but it, they do so much great stuff over there. Go give it a listen. Go read what they've got going on. And, you know, give them some love as well because they do such a great job. I want to thank Andrew Jones for giving me the time of day to come on here and talk about this team. And, guys, as you heard him say, keep an eye on social media because tomorrow could be the big day right around that 3.30 mark with that press conference from Larry Fedora. So for right now, this is Anthony Pagnata of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast checking off. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio. We are all over. Tune in app as well. Uh, guys, read the blog. If that story ends up breaking, there will be huge stuff coming out about that. I will have my notes from uh, fr- from Meet the Heels yesterday will be posted on there later this afternoon or later tonight, excuse me, after I get back from what I am doing uh, here in just a few minutes uh, covering local baseball in the area. So, uh, guys, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast, and as always, go Tar Heels!